1: The premier podcast for all things
0: Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonagall.
1: Hey everyone, it's the Blue White Breakdown with Johnny McGonagall and Bob Flounders talking Penn State football as we inch closer to spring. You had a really interesting post on Penn Live. I know you're a big you lean pretty heavily on pro football focus as as do I, but it's a really great resource to really delve into just kind of specifically what Penn State players are doing you know well and maybe not well and maybe who's under the radar and because pro Football focus really looks at the whole country and kind of how they're doing, specifically snap counts, all that stuff, what they're really good at, maybe what they're not so great at great resource, but there's a you have a post out about maybe The top returning talent in the country in college football, in in their minds, the way that they look at the game, pro football focus. Lo and behold, five Penn Staters are on the list. Some of them are really high up on the list. I think they ranked the top 10 at all of the the spots. I'm going to hand it over to you, and then maybe I have a little interesting exercise we can do after we talk about these Fab Five of Penn State. Uh, about maybe who, other, who isn't on the list now, but maybe next fall might be on that PFF list. Because I think there's a really good chance there's three or four guys I know I'm
0: looking at that I think have a chance to have really huge 2023s. Yeah, Bob, you mentioned the combine. I'll be out there next week in Indianapolis with the seven Penn Staters there. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know, a few of these five on the list currently uh, will be in Indianapolis next year. Nick Singleton won't be allowed to go. Uh, Abdul Carter won't be allowed to go because they'll be back, you know, at Penn State for a third season. Uh, but Kalen King made the cut, Chop Robinson, and uh, Olu Fashinu as well, um, all ranking within top the top 10 of their positions uh, when PFF put all this together and said, hey, who are the, the top 10 returners uh, in, in college football? After everyone already declared for the draft, after, you know, the transfer portal closed, you know, who are the top returners at each position? And, you know, Penn State has, has five and it's telling they didn't have any going into the 2022 season, which uh, you know, a little surprise. Joey Porter Jr. didn't land himself in there uh, somehow. But, you know, look, to have five here, they're one of uh, nine teams across the country with at least five. You want to give a guess as to some of those teams? I'm not going it'd be, to it'd be boring podcasting to try and name all nine, Bob. But I guess you, you can you can figure who would be near the top of that list. I'm guessing, yeah. I'm guessing there's there's
1: a pretty bit there's a pretty nice little SEC uh, influence on the list. I'm sure a little bit of a Big Ten influence with uh, the Buckeyes, maybe Michigan, Georgia, Alabama. I don't know about Tennessee, but I'm just trying to look at some other schools. Clemson is, would be another one. Is there a surprise school on the list though that really surprised you when you
0: when you put it together? Well, surprise list that might not be on the list was Alabama because Ooh. they always lose so much. Uh, I think they have three. Uh, returners among the top 10 positionally across the country. Uh, yeah, so Michigan and Georgia had eight. Um, Ohio State and Florida State had seven. Our State's going to be good this year. Yeah, as long as Jordan Travis stays healthy, I think they're, they have a good season ahead of them. And then LSU, Texas, USC, Clemson, and Penn State uh, all had five. Uh, interestingly, Clemson, all five of theirs were defensive players. Penn State and Clemson, the only two schools to have uh, a top 10 player on each level of the defense, so defensive line, linebacker and in the secondary. Yeah, so Penn State for them to have Nick Singleton in there, I think is I think all these guys are justified to be ranked in the top 10. And again, PFF uses their metrics, their uh their numbers to justify all this. They're not just throwing darts at a board here. I mean, Nick Singleton was second in the Power 5 in yards after contact. Look at Olu fashion. I mean, he would have been a first-round pick if he left early. Kaitlin King uh, was the top corner uh, in in the Power Five in single coverage, I uh, expect to see him, you know, playing plenty man coverage again this upcoming season. These guys were so integral to Penn State's success, and you know, they're on track to be those guys going into the 2023 season. And uh, it's interesting to see the parallels. You know, it, it makes sense. It's it's like kind of a no duh situation. Like you have really good players. You have a pretty good chance of winning the national title or you have good odds to do that. But yeah, those nine teams I mentioned make up nine of the top 11 odds to win the national championship. And you have Clemson or excuse me, Alabama and Tennessee at the tail end there uh, as well. But yeah, Penn state's in that conversation uh, in the preseason. It's, it's only February, but they're in that conversation primarily because of these top, you know, these top five players they've got. You know, stars win national championships, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Penn
1: State right now, twenty-five to one. Is that is that the, is that the number on Penn State? If you Penn State fans, if you're feeling good about the season, you're feeling good about Penn State's ability to develop players, young players, maybe a new quarterback who we can uh, we could talk about. But twenty-five to one sure seems like a pretty fair price uh, on Penn State. Obviously, they're not going to be. On the short list, they still have a lot to prove, even though they played really well last year. There's a couple of heavyweights that they have to get past in the Big Ten East. They haven't, they haven't been to the playoff yet, so 25 to one is a very intriguing price. I think at 25 to one with what they have come back, coming back, Johnny, I think that's a fair bet, and I think that's a bet that if uh, I were a Penn State fan, I would embrace that. I think that's a fair odds on Penn State, because I think they can certainly exceed that kind of value, I think they are a team that could find their way into the playoff or come really close. And if they get into the playoff, you know, anything, as we saw, as we saw in the semis last year, anything can happen. Anyone can get to the, uh, to the final. They certainly have recruited well, but yeah, it's, I, when I look at those five names, um, I also think that tells a really good story, Johnny, about what Penn state and James Franklin have been really good at The last couple of years, you have a kid like Nick Singleton, who is in state, so they keep a lot of their best players in state. And he's a five-star player, which speaks to Franklin's ability uh, to recruit. You look at a kid like Chop Robinson, uh, who was a five-star talent at Maryland. It speaks to Penn State's ability to kind of recruit and add players via the transfer portal. Um, You look, you look at Olu, you look at Kalen King. um, Those are some guys that. You know, they they were talented players in high school, but uh, I mean, it also speaks to Penn State's ability to kind of develop players really quickly. Abdul Carter would be another, obviously, an example, in-state player, four-star player, didn't get there till August, another development guy right away. So I really think when you look at the all five of those guys, they really tell kind of the story of why Penn State has come a long way in a short time. Those guys have all arrived on Pro Football Focus's radar. Penn State's been able to kind of do it a little bit differently, I think, with each one of them. And I just think when you're good at all of those phases, in-state recruiting, getting five stars, attacking the transfer portal, and then developing four stars, it's a great sign, I think, for Penn State moving forward.
0: Yeah, and and not only the means of which they've gotten that talent, but how they're spread out and how you're affecting every level of the game I mentioned that they're, you know, one of two teams with Clemson having a, a top 10 guy at each level on the defense, but they're also one of only four teams that have a top 10 running back and a top 10 offensive lineman. Uh, you know, you look at some teams, You know, I, I was curious to see where, you know, cer- certain teams were represented, like Washington showed up a few times, but. You know, they had two wide receivers, so they're a little little heavier at the wideout spot. Uh, Penix is a good quarterback, obviously, but um, you just look at certain teams, and they're like, all right, they're heavy on one position. They're heavy. Penn State, for them to have a top ten guy at running back, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, and in the secondary, I mean, those are all phases of the game in which if you need it, you can go win it. You know, if you need to go run the ball down someone's throat, you can win it. If you need a disruptive play in the secondary, et cetera, et cetera, you need to affect the quarterback, Chop Robinson. Was you know by PFF standard, the best pass rusher in the country last year in terms of his overall uh, grade off the edge and then his pass rushing grade uh, specifically. And so I'd expect him to have another good year. And it's not just those five either. It's like those are the anchors of your team. They're the the cornerstone pieces. But when you've got an Adisa Isaac opposite chop Robinson, when you've got you know say Drew Shelton or Caden Wallace you know on the other side of Olu Fashion when you have a Catron Allen. Uh, to balance out and to to give, you know, Nick Singleton not only rest, but give him competition, make him step up to the plate and continue uh, to perform the way that he performed as a true freshman. So, uh, Kalen King, you know, he's going to get competition from Storm Duck and uh, Johnny Dixon. And so it's a well-rounded roster. You know, five guys aren't going to win you, uh, you know, a spot in the playoff. But it goes a long way. And, and like you mentioned, like you teased at the start of the pod, I, I think that there's a handful of guys on this roster that we could be talking about this time next year as returning top 10 guys at their position uh, nationwide. Yeah,
1: agree with you. Let's, let's spin it forward to, the, to just what we talked about here on the Blue-White Breakdown. You already mentioned two of the guys that were on my list. I think by this time next year, a guy like Adisa Isaac, considering – the progress he made down the stretch of 2022. If he continues to move forward, if he can get maybe a little bit bigger, he was a disruptive player for Penn State down the stretch. It's easy to forget that he, he had a, he had his 2021 season wiped out because of an Achilles injury. He was one of the top players in I believe Penn State's 2019 class. Played behind some really good defensive ends and just couldn't see the field a lot early in his career. They had some All Big Ten. Ends Odafe Owe, even Itor Gros Matos his first year, Shaka Tony. You know, at other schools, he was probably going to be playing a lot earlier and he'd probably be a little bit more developed, but it's kind of worked out for Adisa. He's been patient. He's been able to come back from a significant injury. I I still think his best football is ahead of him. I want to get your thoughts on Adisa, but I also want to reference the other player that you mentioned, uh, Katron Allen. As really, I don't know if there's a better compliment to a uh, an elite runner like Nick Singleton when you could have a guy like Kate Trott Allen. But those two guys for sure easily could be getting a lot of pro football focus love, you know, come the fall.
0: Yeah, I was uh, I was actually thinking about. Katron Allen when I was going through these lists and I saw it running back that Michigan had two guys, you know, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards and with how that rushing attack uh, played out for Michigan last year, like, you know, and they made the playoff, you know, you could see a Katron Allen taking a step up more than he already did, which was again, like he had a really good season. So uh, I could totally see that. My thing with Adisa is like, is he going to be around because you know, he had an NFL decision. Uh, to make, you know, prior to this offseason, you know, after the Rose Bowl, uh, and the, these guys are top ten returners. So is he going to already be off to the NFL? Because I was thinking about Curtis Jacobs too. No, I was just
1: talking about like this. At, will, will they be on Pro Football focuses? Oh, like mid season? Yeah, like mid season. Like, yeah. I'm not talking about. Yeah, obviously, I just meant in the fall. Like by this time, they're going to be getting a little bit more love in the fall. That's all.
0: I got gotcha. you. I thought you were. I thought you were speaking to 2024, Bob. All right, yeah, no, I can totally see Adisa being there. Um, you know, if we're talking about a mid-season top ten or or you know whatever, uh, Adisa could definitely be there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if him Dennis Sutton's there if he's made an impact to that level by that point. You know, I mentioned Storm Duck; he was an All ACC caliber player when he was healthy at North Carolina. Another sneaky one, and it's gonna it's gonna depend on how quickly he acclimates. And I know and who
1: you're up. gonna say. I know who
0: you're gonna say. But you, you can say, you know, I'm, I'm gonna say Dante Safis.
1: You, I was thinking that's who was I was gonna bring him up.
0: Yeah, because look, he he was an uber talented guy at Kent State, uh, over 1,900 yards, 12 touchdowns the last two seasons. Uh, you know, he is enrolling in the summer though. He's not here during the spring, so he doesn't have uh, those 15 practices. You know, in the spring game. To get that rapport with Drew Aller, but if he's able to come in there in the summer and he's an experienced guy and get acclimated and get you know into this offense and and become the number one target that a lot of people think he you know he has the talent to do it, we could be talking about him at, in in the fall. Uh, and he has two years of eligibility, so if we are speaking to 2024, Bob and Johnny, and we're talking about this list this time next year, he's a guy that could be on it uh, because someone needs to step up at that wide receiver position. And you know we've talked about Keandre Lambert Smith and. Harrison Wallace, and even you know an Amari, Ed, uh, Amari Evans or um, you know a Caden Saunders, maybe if he puts it all together. Uh, but I really think Dante Cephas has the uh, has the inside track, has the ability to become the number one target in an offense that is Drew Aller at quarterback, which is pretty promising. Yeah, I thought about Cephas right away,
1: and you're right. It's it's really it's not it's probably not even unfair to him to mention him. He hasn't even gotten to campus yet, but boy, what he's what he was able to do, you know, in the MAC. And he played some. He did some damage to some pretty good teams too. Dangerous player. Uh, I read your story on him and what was he was able to do. Teammate of DaQuan Hardy's, um, and and just you know, there's you could see the connection to Penn State a little bit. Boy, if he can settle in and get get on the same page with with Drew Aller and and Mike Yursich, can kind of get a long look at him, you know, and he can do some work with Marcus Higgins. But yeah, the, the wide receiver room is a big part of where eventually Penn State will end up, I think, in 2023. It could be great. It could be, you know, above average. It could be, you know, it's it's maybe of all the position groups, to me, that's really one that I think is going to go a long way towards shaping the season, good or maybe, you know, not quite up to expectations. But they are certainly a talented room, and, and James Franklin and his staff did the right thing in and really being aggressive, I think, in the transfer portal because you just can't. You just can't count on unproven players to really make the jump. And as great as Keandre was, you know, in the Rose Bowl, if you look at his history, I know that there were other options in the passing game. You know, you see flashes of his ability. You saw it in the Purdue game right out of the chute last year with that that yards after catch touchdown in a big spot. But then you go a couple weeks, you don't see much from him. So I, I think Franklin and his staff, knew what they had to do, uh, and, and that, was, that was the priority. And a guy like Cephas, boy, Johnny, if, he's, if he can kind of just continue what he was doing at, in the MAC, I mean, he, in, in the Penn State offense with those skilled people around him where he's not the focus of attention, that, that is a really, really dangerous thought, I think, if you are a defensive coordinator. This is the Blue-White Breakdown.
0: Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth.
1: I wanted to bring up one other player, Theo Johnson. Um, I know that he's not quite the finished product yet, but when you talk about his size and how the strides he made as a blocker and what he can do in the passing game, I would think at some points he's going to make some people a little bit more aware of him. And I'm just curious to see how he would grade out, you know, with pro football focus. I know they look at a lot of different things, and Penn State maybe uses him a little bit differently than maybe they. I don't know that he's maybe a traditional tight end
0: just yet. But at 260 pounds, he sure could be very soon. Yeah, Bobby, you took the name right out of my mouth. I, I, had, I had two lined up and uh, I don't want this to be like uh, us predicting a team to win you know, the national championship in March Madness and having like 12 brackets and throwing 12 names out there. And if you know a couple of them hit, you know, uh, we get credit. But uh, to throw out two more. Uh, yeah, Theo Johnson was one. And I just think the opportunity is there with Brenton Strange uh, gone. And, you know, the physical traits that he has, the way he came on. Uh, at the end of the season, you know, with a, a catch of 25 yards or more in six of his final seven games, like the impact that he made in that Rose Bowl. And uh, I just think if you can get a little bit more consistency, uh, not only out of him, but out of the play calling, out of everyone involved and in getting him involved. I think you'd be talking about a top 10 tight end in the country next year. And then another one which might fly under the radar a little bit. But Landon Tengwall, I just think, has the talent at guard and he's going to be lined up. Uh, so he stays at left guard. Uh, lined up next to Olu Fashanu, which might make his life a little easier. Uh, not that he'll need it, but um, he is a really talented dude. And you know, if he comes back from that injury that uh, you know he suffered prior to the Michigan game, and he's all right, you know, in spring camp and going into fall and everything, I mean, that could be a juggernaut of a left side of a line uh, for Penn State to you know obviously work their pass protections around and and run behind if you're Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. And I think that the increased attention on Olu Fashanu this season could also bring increased attention to Landon Tengwall. And I think that'll be a good thing for him because I think he's talented enough to step up to the plate uh, and deliver on that, um, on that attention, on that recognition. Yeah. I I just think that the Penn state offensive line has a chance here to really be the the anchor of this team. You know, it was a positive last year. And for for the outsider, for the, for the national uh, talking header, so that that it, it might not have been, you know, really on their radar. It still might not be on their radar, but I think this Penn state offensive line has a real chance and, uh, Tangwall is going to be a big part of that.
1: Yeah, I think if you're a Penn State fan and you were following the winter workouts closely, it was good to see Olu. Kind of, he got. I think he got a shout out as a as a worker, but just to see him running and moving around with what he was dealing with with his injury. I mean, it was a knee injury. I think everyone they, they haven't said it, but I think most people know he was dealing with something. I think lower body related, and I think they were erring on the side of caution by by holding him out. But he was when he decided to come back question i was always curious about when he was actually going to be able to start running and doing those kinds of things i think it's a really good sign uh that he is definitely rounding back into form he is a big even in the picture he just looks good he just looks like he is a athletic big left tackle so kudos to penn state for developing him one more player i wanted to talk about with regard to i know you said we mentioned a lot of players but on, honestly johnny he's got they have a lot of good players they really do there's a couple of players that we could talk about. Um, That wouldn't surprise me, but at this point, it would be a reach. I just wonder, the player I'm going to mention, I don't know if he's ever going to be maybe a model great grader by pro football focus because of the way he is kind of what his game is about. Curtis Jacobs, at outside linebacker, not the biggest guy. You look at him and you look at Abdul Carter. You're talking about two different body types, Um, but they both can run. Abdul Carter is more of, I think, of an all-around disruptor, but Curtis Curtis can make his presence felt in coverage. He can make his uh, presence felt as a blitzer, even as a pass rusher. Experienced player, came back, and I, I think he's right around 230 pounds. And maybe that's just ideal for him. Maybe you don't want to get him too much bigger. But I think when you're going to talk about linebackers in college football in 2023 in the fall, especially outside and especially maybe a linebacker in space, I don't know that I could name you know, a half dozen uh, better linebackers, maybe space coverage linebackers than Curtis. I, he he was he was a high recruit. He's played he's played here for a long time. He's now familiar with Manny Diaz's defense. With other teams really worried about Abdul Carter, I could I'm painting the picture of him getting not a lot of attention. And if you're not going to pay attention to Curtis Jacobs, and you're an offense. Um, what he can do with his speed and with his ability to recognize plays, he can end them before they get
0: started. He definitely can. Yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. I think he's he's the kind of talent that, like you said, can cause havoc. He, he's done it already. I still go back to that Minnesota game where he had, what, 14 tackles. He's that kind of guy. He's that kind of guy if you don't if you don't block him, if you don't take him into account. And one last player, because <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we're contractually obligated to mention – uh, his name uh, during every podcast, and I already I mentioned him a little bit earlier. But Drew Aller, you know, <laughs> yeah. How can you not? I mean, one I have to mention him, but but no, honestly, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about top ten players at their position like in the country, he's a five star guy. He has all the tools. We've seen it uh, in spurts. Every talent evaluator in high school saw it. As as long as as long as he doesn't hit those growing pains, and look, he, he's he'll be a first year starter, so. We expect him to have some growing pains. He's not uh, is he God is he superhuman? We'll find out. But no, look, I, I think he obviously has the talent, and it, he'll have the running game, he'll have the support, he'll have the, the pieces around him, especially like we mentioned Theo Johnson and Dante Cephas comes in I, and I don't it's not like a sleeper either. like he he's what the tenth or eleventh, you know best odds to win the Heisman, something crazy like that. It might even be better than that, so yeah, I feel like we'd be doing uh this podcast and our listeners a service if we didn't mention uh old number fifteen uh, on the on the pod, but he's yeah, he's definitely one that could find his way there. I agree. they don't Penn State doesn't
1: need its young quarterbacks to win a lot of games in the fall because of the way that they're the way that they are set up, the way that they're you know, complementary football, the offensive line's good, the tight end room is good. If one or two of the young wideouts or one of the two transfer portal guys step up, the wide receiver room is going to be much improved, even without Parker Washington and Mitchell Kinsley. He it's not like, you know, it's not like, you know, you know, when Trace McSorley took the training wheels off Trace McSorley in 2016, he didn't really have a lot of playing experience before that 2016 season. If, if Hackenberg doesn't get hurt in that bowl game, he doesn't have any. I mean, Drew is Drew is, I think, a lot more comfortable than most. First-year starters. The talent is obvious. And I think he is a different – he's a different situation than Christian Hackensburg was at Penn State because Christian Hackensburg – everything was on – he had to do everything if they were going to be in the game. And that's just not the case with Drew. And I think if he can get comfortable and he starts to relax and just let his ability take over, you know, by by October, I mean, I think absolutely he'll be a guy that should be grading out very well. And that's not to say that Bo Prabula is not a guy that at some point could make an impact on Penn State season. But, I mean, we all know what the plan is. Drew's that good, and he looks comfortable. He handles himself well in interviews. They don't have to ask him to win a lot of games. But the, the good thing is, though, he has the talent in the fourth quarter to win a game. I think he's shown that. He was comfortable on the road at Purdue. He made some plays. He just missed a big play. Uh, to to Tyler Warren in that game, so I, I just think that Penn State is is if they're healthy, they're going to be really a handful, and that's why I circle back to twenty five to one. You know, I, I think that's a pretty good bet on Penn State this particular year.
0: Yeah, if you're a Penn State fan, just take the 30, 40 bucks, whatever it is that you'd spend on beer at Beaver Stadium, and just you know <laughs> log on to DraftKings and just you know place it on that. Uh, yeah, I think it's fine. I think it's pretty good value, especially. You know, the teams around them, like, you know, Florida State's 20 to one. Let's see. I think Tennessee is also 25 to one and they lose so much. I, I just don't see that. You know, USC 14 to one is uh, is an interesting pull. Again, it's it's a gauntlet, but we saw two Big Ten teams make the college playoff playoff uh, last year. Uh, if they're able to if they're able to split the Ohio State Michigan games and and run the table, the rest, you're looking at a playoff team. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I do think that they have the talent to do it. You know they have the top end talent, and, and I do think they have the depth to do it as well. We, we've outlined that uh, here on the Blue White breakdown, Bob. Um, so yeah, I I think that they have. I think it's a decent bet. I, I really do. Twenty five to one. I, I think I think is a decent number. Yeah, I'm
1: not even a Penn State grad. I'm a University of Scranton grad, and I'm saying I think twenty five to one is absolutely a live bet. i get it now because if you're going to wait around till uh, September to to find out how good this team is, you look at their schedule. If you want to get the price, I think now's the time to get a good price on Penn State because if the season plays out the way that it could, that number's just going to decrease. So now's the time to jump on it. I don't think you're going to see it go higher. I think you're only going to see it go lower. Johnny, as always, a pleasure. I know you're going to have a great time out in Indianapolis. That's still a couple days away, but we'll be back, I think, next week to talk more. I have have a good idea for next week, Johnny. I'll talk to you about it after we get done with this podcast uh, that'll lead into the combine, which I mean, it's always spread out, right? But it really begins to get interesting next week with the combine, combine correct?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, next week, um, I'll be driving out from Pittsburgh to Indy and, and talking to I think I'll be there long enough to talk to everyone that Penn State's sending out there. They're sending seven guys, yeah, uh, you know, especially Joey Porter Jr., Jair Brown, like you know, guys who could go in Joey's case, the first round, you're looking at maybe second, third, fourth rounders, Brenton Strange, so. Yeah, well, they'll be available for interviews and I'll be I'll be there at the convention center in Indy. Looking forward to it. Beautiful.
1: Love to hear it. All right, guys, we'll be back next week. Have a great weekend. Stay. It's going to get warm on, on Thursday, so stay cool. I, I can't believe I said that during the winter. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Live.